this week and this morning, I felt the Lord prompting me in that whole area of surrendering control. Now, if you're anything like me, in fact, we'll take a quick survey so we can feel comfortable. How many of us here like to be in control? Yeah. That's pretty much every one of us. And I think the Lord knows that, right? He certainly knows that. And He loves us so much. He loves us so much. We would all acknowledge this morning that God can do a better job, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we all say that God can do a better job? Yeah, amen. Can I invite you to join with me in giving up the reins of our lives? To give up the reins. To give up and not put our hope and our trust in sticks for fire. To not put our hope in some flour and some oil to make our last loaf of bread. But to put our hope and trust in the one who formed and fashioned and created the entire universe. Who put into motion everything that is in motion in this universe. He is the one who is our source. He is the one who will meet every need according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There is no need so great. You say, you don't know my need. You're right, I don't. You're right, the person sitting next to you may not know the depth of the need. But there is one who knows the need. There is one who has been touched just like you and I have at every single point that we have been touched, every point that we are hurting, every point that we are in sorrow, every point that we have been tempted, every single point. And He is able to help us in our time of need. And He will. He's willing and He will help us. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. If that's you, will you receive that as a word from the Lord this morning? And will you put your hope and your faith and your trust fully in the Lord? For some of you, I don't know what that means. I know what that looks like for me. I know what it looks like for me. My prayer is that you will discover and begin to discover in a greater measure today what that looks like for you. Well, as we continue to worship the Lord this morning, I'll invite our ushers to come forward. We'll prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Very excited that our Heart for the House campaign, for those who have been able to participate, whether through prayer or giving in a financial support, we again would invite everyone to be a part. It's so very exciting to be a part of what God is doing and how God is moving in and through our fellowship. And what is in front of us our paperwork went back to the county, solidified this week. All of it is back there, and we're believing that the county is going to turn it over relatively quickly and that there will be no additional requirements for any of our engineering, our architecture, and landscaping and all of those external kinds of things and structural things. And so we're very, very hopeful that some movement can happen quickly. Let me just tell you real quick. About two weeks ago, I gave an update that 65,000 towards our 100,000 had come in. I'm with joy nine days after sharing that nearly 14 days ago. Uh, at the nine-day point, we were at 82,000 towards our Yeah, come on. That's great. So, praise God. We have 18,000 to go, and it's our, last, it's our last month. We'll just put a push and say, Jesus, help us. Amen. Amen. So I invite you to be a part. It's exciting. God's doing great things. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless and to meet every need. Father, thank you, Mike, worship team. Good to be in the house of God. Amen. A little bit warm this morning, huh? It's all right. No longer a slave to fear. Hallelujah. So, I was in the scripture this week, along with you, reading through. I was in the Old Testament uh, early on in the week, on Monday. I just, real quick, 
invite you to turn with me to Judges. Judges chapter 12. It's an interesting verse in Judges chapter 12. Verse 13. Verse 13. Now, first glance, this probably won't rock your ship. But it says this. After him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pyrathonite, judged Israel. sometimes when I look into the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, why the Holy Spirit saw fit to put certain verses, texts within a context for us. Now these things happen, the Apostle Paul say, says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says these things happened and they were written down for our admonition. And this is one text from within a context, and its context is really verses 8 through 15. And there is a little bit of history of some judges, Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. But here's something noteworthy. Abdon, his name means servile or servile. Slavish behavior, slavish character. We're just saying I'm no longer a slave to fear. What are we slaves to? Hillel means worshiper, singer of songs. Worshipper. Pyrathonite is a pyrathon. A pyrathon means prince. I think there's a message potentially there for us that we would become slaves in character to worship of the prince. And so, in this small little text within a context about the judges of Israel, those leaders, I would simply submit to every one of us today, we're no longer slaves to fear. Let us become slaves of worship, if you will, to the prince, the king of kings and the lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Now, sometimes when we use the word slave or slavish behavior or character, it has a connotation that's not a comfortable one. And we like words like, well, I'll serve the Lord. Those are good words too. But to be a slave to the Lord would be like the apostles when they said they became bond servants. They were already liberated from a debt that was owed, but because of a love relationship, they've surrendered their entire life and livelihood to serve their master. It's their choice to remain in that house and serve out of gratitude to the one whom the debt previously had been owed to. That's a picture of you and I. And so I just invite you, uh, to receive, if that's for you, praise the Lord. I think it's for all of us. So just, just take that. Amen? Amen. Good. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. We're migrating through the Scripture. We'll read the first ten verses this morning. Uh, today's message is a royal wedding celebration. A royal wedding cele celebration. Now, uh, weddings are kind of a big deal particularly for me, presents. About two weeks ago, 
I got to participate in my son and my new daughter's uh, wedding celebration. And it was just that, a wedding celebration. But believe me, that's not the only wedding going on around this fellowship. In the next three months, we've got, like, weddings happening all over the place. I got, yeah, I know, it's exciting. Uh, and I see some of them are right here. I see you guys over here, you guys over here, and there's some in the back. I mean, it's just very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. And uh, so, thinking about weddings and the celebration and all that's going on. And Logan and Marnie, you guys are just beaming this morning, too. I mean, you guys, yeah, <laughs> getting close. Weddings, it's a celebration. I mean, woohoo! Look at you guys. Look at you guys. Shannon McKenzie, it's so soon. Ah, so exciting. Yeah, come on. And I mean, it's what a great, great time. There is a wedding of weddings forthcoming. The wedding of weddings. In fact, this particular wedding that is forthcoming has been anticipated for over, well, just under 2,000 years. The church, the bride of Christ, has been waiting for the bridegroom Jesus and the herald to say, the bridegroom is here. The bridegroom is here. And the trumpet sounding. And the wedding, the bride of Christ to be called up to meet the groom in the air to be with him forever. And as we embark on Revelation chapter 19, this is the wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Read with me or follow along with me. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments, because He has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God! all his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. For I am a fellow servant and of your brethren, who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Father, in the next few moments, as we prepare even now to make our way to the communion table in just a few short minutes, Lord, will you speak to our hearts. Lord, may we enter into this idea of a soon celebration. And may joy consume us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. A royal wedding celebration, the wedding of weddings. If you're here this morning and you are longing for the soon return of Jesus Christ, you are longing for that wedding consummation, if you will, the celebration, the ceremony. 
in the first six verses, if you're taking notes this morning, and we'll give it the point, the extolling of the bridegroom. We're given some information in relationship to really the responsiveness of the bride to the bridegroom and extolling the adoration, if you will, of a bride looking into the groom's eyes. Now, I was there recently, standing at the altar, watching a groom and a bride. A bride looking at the groom and a groom looking at the bride, and their eyes lit up with love. And that expectation and that anticipation. And we find in these few six verses here, first, the bride praises the groom for his salvation. The scripture tells us in verse 1, and you can read it again with me. After these things, I heard a loud voice of the great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation! Glory, honor, and power belong to the Lord our God. Salvation. Salvation is the Lord's. And it was His delight to reveal Jesus to you and I. If you're here this morning and you've not put your faith in Christ, it is His joy and His delight to reveal once again today His desire for relationship with you through His Son Jesus to know and to be known. Salvation, there is no name given under heaven and earth whereby man must be saved, saving Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our bridegroom. And so, praise for salvation. Next, he's praised for his sentencing, if you will. His sentencing of those that are in the world and they're not part of the bride. They're not part of the Old Testament saints. They're not part of the tribulation saints. They're not part of the kingdom of God. And they have a sentence that will be being excised or judged upon them. And so we find in verse 2, For true and righteous are His judgments. Can I get an amen? God's judgments are always true. They are always right. And they are always in time, on time, every time. He's perfect. Because he has judged the great harlot, this Babylon we saw in chapter 17 and chapter 18, that religious Babylon system, the commercial Babylon system. Really, it's the systems of this world, and they have been judged. And he goes on to say, The harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, he has avenged on her the blood of his saints, shed by her. Listen, it's the world system and the ruler of the systems of this world, the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself. And judgment is excised because he has come but to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is what he has been actively doing. He has been getting systematically rid of, if you will, God's people bringing about destruction in their lives and the shedding of blood. And so, judgment. Verse 3, again, they said, hallelujah. Her smoke, that is, of the world and the world system. Babylon, the great, rises forever and ever. Incidentally, if your theology about hell is annihilation, the smoke rising forever and ever should be an indicator of the process of how hell operates forever and ever. There's more in this verse of Scripture. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. The third thing, praise for his sovereignty. And I simply would just point out in verse 4 that the 24 elders which we've been introduced to, they have mentioned at least six different times in Scripture. We find that these... They are bowing down before the throne of God and the four living creatures bowing down again before the throne of God and giving worship. And it is a picture, if you will, of his sovereignty. Judgments are right. All that he has done is right. And they're giving adoration and praise. And so praise for his sovereignty. In verse 6, I would just note also praise for his supremacy. Look what they say. They says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of the great multitude and the sound of many waters as the sound of a mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah! Listen to what they say. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. 
Some of us can hear Handel's Messiah when we say those words, For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The saints declaring His supremacy, omnipotent, omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty, almighty God. Hallelujah. And so the extolling of the bridegroom. Can I suggest to you today, as we look forward to that day where we will be a part of that group who does bring adoration and praise in all of these things, can I invite you to not wait till that day? He is all-powerful right now. He is worthy of all praise. Let us not neglect as the bride his salvation. Are you thankful for your salvation today? Come on. Come on. Man, I know I'm not the guy I'm going to be tomorrow. I guarantee you, I'm not the guy I was yesterday, let alone when I was 19 years old. I am so thankful for what God has done, saving this wretched soul. Something I could not do, a debt that I owed, he paid and ransomed me, and he ransomed you. Hallelujah. The joy of our salvation. Okay, secondly, there's an excitement for the banquet that's going on in this portion of Scripture. And I, I want to invite you to get just jacked up. Will you just get jacked up? <laughs> there you go. Some of you are like, okay, it's kind of hot in here. <laughs> I don't know how jacked up I can get. But I, I, and I don't mean just now. I mean in your disposition to be mindful your king is coming for you. He's coming for us. Hey, he picked you. He picked you. He picked you. <laughs> yeah. We're not pick worthy. And he picked us. He revealed his plan of salvation to us. And if your faith is in Christ today, you've responded to that love. That's fascinating. You can get excited about that. Well, the joy of a completed plan or completion. God's plan goes all the way back before the foundation of the earth. You remember, he's the one who made the declaration, the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. His plan is now come to fruition. Look at verse 7. He says this in verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice. Whoops. Yep, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. Has come. Is here. Now I know in my house, just a few short weeks ago, every single day on social media, there was this little countdown thing going on. Like 59 days until... Our wedding day. 27 days till our wedding day. 13 days till our wedding day. One day to our wedding day. Has come. How it's supposed to be. fascinating. You see, the two will become one flesh. Legally and lawfully in the eyes of the Father. That's a whole new realm. That's a whole new realm. All things are new. It's exciting. Hey, gang. <laughs> 
We're headed towards that. Man, and this scripture here tells us it's come. That's what we're looking forward to. And here it's come, so there's a completion. It's, it's come. There's a joy at the commencement. He uses the phrase, the marriage of the Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb. That's this commencement. Listen, when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, we will be translated. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruption will put on incorruption. In the twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed. And we will be caught up, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will be with Him forever. Excited. The wedding. Now, there are parts of a wedding, and I won't go into the detail this morning. Certainly, we could see it in Israel's past. There's a betrothal period. It's like an engagement, if you will. There's the actual ceremony where there's a wedding, and then the celebration. While the bride and the groom are in the wedding chamber that was built and added on to the father's house, while they're there, remember he says, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again unto you and take you to myself. That is the bridegroom and his declaration. He's gone back to his father's house. He's building a mansion for you and I. That's epic. And on the ceremony, we'll be called like that herald who says, the bridegroom has come. You remember the parable of the ten virgins. And they go, and in the midst, after the ceremony, they go into the wedding chamber, and the groom brings gifts to the bride. We'll all stand before the Bema Seat of Judgment or the Judgment Seat of Reward in front and Jesus giving gifts to men. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day. And so this magnificent celebration, but it doesn't end there. The celebration, you see, on the seventh day in this Jewish tradition, the groom would bring the bride out for the very first time from outside of the wedding chamber and present her to the guests. Well, in heaven, who will the guests be? Well, I would submit to you that it will be all of the Old Testament saints from the beginning, Adam, all the way up to Pentecost. All those whose faith were in Christ, but, or faith was in God, but they were anticipating the Messiah. They came into the kingdom, but they're not part of the bride of Christ. They'll be the guests. Also, after the rapture, the post-tribulation saints who are martyred, they will be guests at the wedding ceremony. When we come out with the groom, Jesus will be presented and the entirety of the hosts of heaven will be there. And there we will all partake of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we are told, blessed is he who is invited. The invitation is made. Have you responded? Have you RSVP'd the invitation? Come on. So, that's the joy of the commencement, if you will. And then there's the joy of the culmination. You know, verse 7 again says, The bride has made herself ready. And I want you to take particular note about this. The bride has made herself ready. You see, before we knew Christ, even any of our acts of goodness... They were like filthy rags in the presence of the Lord. And in all reality, since we've become born again, even our own acts of righteousness, they are but filthy rags in the presence of the Lord. But we will be clothed with fine linen, we're told. And in those back in those days, in those Middle Eastern, often known or called Oriental uh, ceremonies of weddings, the bride would make herself ready, and she would wear two garments. She would wear an inner garment called a tunic, and she would wear an outer garment called a toga. And those two garments. And so we have this picture of garments, and we don't want to be found standing in our own garments, so to speak. We want to be 
clad with the righteousness that has been provided for us. Not our own acts, our own acts of righteousness as filthy rags, rather those provided. God made him who knew no sin to become sin that what? We might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That we would be clothed in the garments that he has provided for us. But let me also suggest to you, so there's personal righteousness, which is not righteousness. There's provided righteousness, which is the clothing from the Lord. But let me suggest to you, as followers of Christ, there's a practical righteousness as well. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. When we do acts of service in Christ, they are the righteous acts of the saints. And we see that the Scripture refers to one of the fine linens is the righteous acts of the saints. Can I suggest to you today, and can I invite you today, to engage in right living. Right living. Righteousness. Righteousness. Listen, the last two weeks, as we looked at, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at 1 Samuel chapter 3 and hearing the voice of God. Last week, we looked at Revelation chapter 18 and really uh, overcoming the spirit of materialism or a materialistic spirit. And in that, we need to hear the voice of God because there's junk in our lives. And we just really need to get some of the junk out so we can get more Jesus in. Amen? And part of it's just hearing the voice of God. I need to hear the voice of God. And when we, when we see that there are righteous acts, what is it that the Lord is prompting you in your life? How is the Spirit of God speaking to you right now? We know He will never contradict the Word of God, and He will always be pointing us toward Jesus. And in His pointing us toward Jesus, He's going to be pointing things in our lives that are non-Jesus-like. Right? Right? So where He's already revealing some of that non-Jesus-likeness in your life and in my life, hey, let's be those that are in love relationship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Ghost, and let's simply respond in obedience and start saying, okay, okay, God, I'm done fighting. I'm done putting up a fuss about this. I'm done doing it my own way. I'll listen to you, and I'll submit to you. I'll stop picking up sticks for fires. I'll stop trying to knead the dough and to make a cake, and I'll just leave the junk that I've trusted in, and I'm just going to trust in you. And I'm going to stop doing things my own way. Let go of the steering wheel. Get your clenched fingers off of that thing. Hand over the reins to Jesus. Ride shotgun. Let him take control of the carriage. Listen, if your horses have been going wild, it's because you're holding on to the reins. You hand the reins over to Jesus, he'll bring those horses into control. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good. All right, the excitement of the banquet. Woohoo! It is nice. Jesus said this. My sheep know my voice. Will you take comfort today that you already know one or two things you need to be doing? Because God's been talking to you, right? And you, you know his voice. I know his voice. I know his voice. Remember, the scripture says this too in relationship to like sin and stuff. He says, no sin, uh, there, there is no sin that has seized you except that which is common to man. Sorry about that. Except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond that which you can stand or bear. He always provides a way of escape. So here's the thing. People say, well, you know, I, I don't hear the voice of God. I don't know the voice of God. Well, listen, look back at the last time you were tempted to sin. Maybe you gave in to sin and temptation. But look back there and look for the voice that was showing you the way out. Maybe it was just like, don't go there. Uh, maybe it was, don't think that thought. Maybe it was, don't click on that button. Maybe it was uh, some other thing. But whatever that way of escape, that point was, listen, time out. Stop saying you're not hearing the voice of God. 
and start realizing that he's been speaking all the time. We've just been putting dull ears to it. But if we would just say, oh, that's your voice. You're the one pointing me that way and not do that thing that's causing harm and damage in my life. Start listening to that voice because it'll be a directional voice that will take you away from the things that damage your life. Does everybody understand what I'm saying here? Just nod your head if you're actually like, you're like, oh, oh yeah, oh, that's his voice. Oh yeah, just nod your head and say, yep, I know that voice. Let me see. Let me see your head. Give me a nod. Good. Okay, good. So God is speaking, amen? Praise the Lord. You know, he doesn't only say what not to do. I love that about God. In fact, more often he says, look, here's something you should do. Here's something you can do. Here's something, if you do this, it will be a blessing in your life. He'll show us the things that, boy, when we do it, it's just so good. He's saying things like, look, I love you. I love you. But remember, his love will also bring about chastisement in our life when we're disobedient to his love. Right? Man, that's good. That's good news. Thanks be to God. He doesn't just let us go headlong into stupidness. Okay, the last thought here is the experience of the bride, and verses 9 and 10 kind of highlight this, and I'm just going to just give it to you in a bullet. There's guests. I mentioned the guests that will be there. There's the glory. Listen, the glory, this is just a fascinating thing, but when we get there, there really is going to be an amazing kind of celebration. We're all, I think we're all going to see each other. I think we're all going to be there. And I think when, when we're there and we're in that process and we're that we, maybe we'll stand up on the judgment seat and be like, all right, here I go, boom, and, you know, here's Jesus. And he's like, all right, going to try your life by fire. Whoosh. And there's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. First Corinthians chapter 3 tells us, you know, the foundation has been laid. The foundation is Jesus Christ. If a man builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble, that life will be tried by fire. That which remains will be, if you will, an offering to the Lord. Lord, this is my life, the summation of my life. I worship you with it. Now the Scripture says, Some, everything will be consumed. They themselves will enter in, but only as one escaping through the flames. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, when you're standing up on the throne of your life, and the, the torch is touched and it's tried by fire and there's nothing left, you look up and he says, Done. Not like, well done, good job, just done, boom. How many of you want to sign up and be in that line? No way, Jose. We want something. Listen, it's the righteous act. So, hey, the glory is there's going to be a revealing of our lives. And here's the thing. When, when my life is revealed, and I don't know what all is going to be there because I've done things in the flesh, I've done things in the Spirit. Some of the things I've done in the Spirit, I didn't even realize I was doing in the Spirit. Some of the things I did in the flesh, I didn't even realize I were doing in the flesh. So my life is going to be tried, and you're going to be watching, and I want you to go, yeah, good job, Dave. We did it. And when you're up there, I want to be back here going, yeah, go, Jerry. It's exciting. We want to celebrate together. Listen, we can celebrate together today by encouraging and spurring one another toward good works, toward good, toward good in the kingdom. Okay, so the guests, the glory. David Wilkerson said it like this. He was in that room with a bunch of minister types around the room, and they were all talking about heaven, what heaven was going to be like. Some were saying, man, I can't wait to see the streets of gold. I can't wait to see, you know, this, that, or other. I can't wait to see the emerald uh, rainbow around the throne. I can't wait to see what the four living creatures with eyes all inside and out. I want to see the cherubim, the seraphim, and all that. Boom, 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 boom. Finally got around to the table to Dave Wilkerson. What are you looking forward to in heaven? And he said two words, with him, with him, the groom. There's the guests. I can't wait to meet Moses. I can't wait to meet Noah. I can't wait to meet Samuel. I can't wait to meet David. I can't wait to meet some of those guys, some of the heroes in my own heart and my own life. But you know who I can't wait to see? I can't wait to see Jesus. Jesus, listen, we're the bride of Christ. He's the groom. He's the one who's supplied and provided. He's the one who's done it all. He's done it all. And we get to hear his voice. We get to see his smile. 
We get to hear him laugh. We get to hear him. I mean, we get to feel his embrace. All of those things looking forward to the coming and the soon coming. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, as Paul wrote to Titus, while we wait for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Oh, come Lord Jesus, come. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, the bride says, come Lord Jesus, come. And so this morning, we come to the communion table. And as we come to the communion table, I want to ask you today, you're a saint. You're a follower of Jesus. You're one of the saints. And I'll invite those who are going to be serving us to come and do so even now. We're all saints if our faith is in Christ. We're saints. The question that I have for you and for me, we, are, we see in the text today that the bride has made herself ready. She's made herself ready. The Scripture goes on to tell us, thank you, brother, the Lord bless you. The Scripture tells us about that bride or about that uh, uh, preparation, those righteous acts. What are you doing about the garments in your life? Clothed with the garments of Christ, yes, but are you putting into practical the garments of righteousness? What you and I do matters today. It really does. When we come to the communion table today, where the Spirit of God has already revealed one, two, three things, that He is just simply saying, hey, this is not Christ-like behavior. It's not Christ-like attitude. It's not Christ-like living. It's not Christ-like love. It's not Christ-like forgiveness. Whatever it looks like, and you hear it and you see it and you know it, be at the altar today where you make that commitment. Say, Lord, I'm, with your help, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that, and I'm going to try and do things your way and not my way. Thank you that it's not my way or the highway with you, God, that you'll allow me to fail forward. You'll allow me to fall forward. But, Lord, I want to grow every single time, and I want to move forward. Will you make that commitment with me and simply say, God, with your help, I'm going to, those things you've revealed to me even today. Maybe you'd make a note of them. Maybe you'd write them down. Maybe some of them are so difficult you wouldn't want someone else to read it. You might have to write it in code. But I just want you to know something. You can confess it to your Father in heaven. You can actually confess it to yourself. Say, you know what? I've been messing up here, and I need to straighten up here. Or I've been loving the wrong way. I've been loving out of my flesh and not out of the Spirit. Or maybe I've just been with a bad attitude, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, you confess it to yourself. You confess it to your Father. And I would encourage you to find another brother. We heard a great message yesterday about just making that confession and confiding in another brother and finding accountability. That's a marvelous thing. But let's grow in the Lord, amen? Let's look at one another. Look at, look at your brother and say, let's grow. Come on, just say it. Let's grow. We could hear a little noise. Let's grow. And let's solidify those things at the communion table this morning. I'm going to invite you to make your way to these kind of center aisles, and we'll receive these emblems. Will you hold the emblems, making your way through the outside aisles to the back, to your seats, and in a few moments we'll receive these together, and we'll solidify these things through prayer. Come forward and receive this morning.
Hallelujah. The wondrous cross bids me come and die to find that I may truly live. Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, during the supper he took the bread and broke the bread and gave thanks and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I know we say this every single month, but I don't believe that it can ever be an old story. The matzah bread is a bread that is made without leaven. Leaven in the scripture is representative of sin. Christ's life was without sin. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He's the lamb without spot or blemish. No sin. It's perforated. It's pierced. The prophet Zechariah, in reference to the Jews, says they will look upon the one whom they have pierced. To this very day, when they participate on an annual basis in the Passover meal, and the matzah bread is put in the three-pocketed silk bags, and they pull the matzah out and they break the matzah, they look upon the very one whom they pierced, for Jesus is the bread of life. And it's a type, and a day is coming when they will look upon the one whom they pierced, physically and in reality, Jesus Christ the King. It's also made with scores. The rows are scored, crossways up and down. The prophet Isaiah reminds us our chastisement, the chastisement for our sin was laid upon him. And the Bible says, by his stripes ye are healed. By his stripes we are healed. He bore real stripes upon his body for us. Father, today as we hold this bread, we recognize the symbolism associated with it. We recognize Jesus is the bread of life. Taking the bread, he broke it, gave thanks, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we are partakers of the work of Christ in our lives. Receiving this bread today is that symbolism that we are partakers of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. We give you thanks for the broken body of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Let's partake of the bread together today. supper, he took the cup. They had already partaken of two cups throughout the Seder meal, throughout the Passover meal. This is the third cup, and it's the cup after the supper. It's known as the cup of redemption. And Jesus took the cup of redemption, the third cup, after supper, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my shed blood. Do this in remembrance of me. He was making a declaration that there is a new covenant that is being established. The old covenant that was dependent upon two parties, God and man. No man could fulfill the requirements of the first covenant saving Jesus Christ. And so he established a new covenant that was not dependent upon two, but upon one, God himself, Jesus Christ. And he said, in the new covenant, atonement is found through the shedding of my blood. Atonement, covering, is found for our transgressions in my shed blood, Jesus said. Again, the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. By receiving the cup today, you are declaring to every other person in this room, and you are declaring to God, once again, personally, I am a willing participant in the new covenant of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of my sin is dependent upon 
his shed blood. Father, today we rejoice. Oh, how great a salvation. Hallelujah. As they say in Revelation 19, hallelujah, salvation belongs to the Lord our God. And salvation belongs to our Savior Jesus. And so we thank you. We thank you that, God, you demonstrated your love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. A substitutionary death. A death I deserve and we all deserve. But we have received redemption through the shed blood of Jesus. And we say thank you for the new covenant in the shed blood of Jesus. Let's partake together today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we rejoice. We give you thanks. What an awesome God you are. Lord, with eager hearts, with anticipation, the things that we have sealed even now at this altar and the communion table, those areas that you've already revealed, help us, Lord, to submit to your goodness, to submit to your graciousness, to submit to your mercifulness, to submit to your faithfulness, that, God, we would just say, I'm terrible at it. Lord, you're real good at it. Will you just help me give it over to you? And so, Lord, transform us from the inside out, we pray. Will you bless and go before us? And, Lord, as we anticipate and eagerly await the glorious appearing of our Savior Jesus, help us to live fully alive in worship to you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Have an amazing week in Jesus. Hey, come back tonight, 6 o'clock, in this heat. We'll have worship, and we'll study the Word of God. God bless you.